Dublin's Talking Sport with Ken Doherty and Reggie Corrigan. Sponsored by insuremycars.ie, low-cost car insurance specialists. See how much you can save at insuremycars.ie. On Sunshine 106.8. Sunshine 106.8. Sunshine 106.8 Dublin's Talking Sports Welcome to Dublin's Talking Sports Podcast with me, Ken Doherty, and my good friend, Reggie Corrigan. Thanks for tuning in to catch up on the latest GAA, football, rugby, and all the crack. Enjoy the show, and don't forget, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Morning, Reg. How are you? Ah, never better, I have to say. Never better at all. It's been a, a great week. Um, weather-wise, maybe not so much. I tried to play golf yesterday. Uh, we're rained off after 11. <laughs> it was uh, pretty poor. But um, everything else is going well. Yeah, down in Clarny here. We were supposed to play yesterday. Made it to the first tee. Even the ducks had raincoats <laughs> and umbrellas on down here. Uh, we turned back to the clubhouse. It was absolutely saturated. Yeah, oh, it, was it was. It was a horrific day, it really was. But you're looking. We, we we'll we'll get we'll get it going again another day. Um, you got off to a decent enough start last week. I mean, took yeah. a while. It was. I tell you, it was a good match. Uh, yeah, not which. Uh, oh, the United game. Sorry, I should have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just uh, thinking. It was. They were under a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah, no, they were very lucky, I thought. I thought they were very lucky. I thought Wolves uh, played very, very well. I don't know about United. I don't know if it was the system or they, they, they just went, you know, forced to the ball, but, uh, a little bit off the pace. I thought Wolves played very well, particularly Kuna, uh, you know, he, he ran right. Mm. They had 23 chances on goal and, and should have scored a few of them. I mean, uh, you know, they missed some players, you know, they got away with it, and they got away with it. The penalty at the end. I mean, I don't know how that wasn't given as a penalty. Very, very lucky. You know, your fans know that about it. But I think if that was anywhere else, uh, it would have been a penalty for sure. You know, and they both probably deserved the point from the match. So, not their best start, but they got three points, I suppose, and that's the most important thing. Yeah, and already VAR uh, coming into a bit of controversy. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, uh, there was going to be a lot of. Uh, you know, scrutiny, let's say, on the keeper and keeping an eye on things, how, how they were going to go. But uh, I don't know, there, there was a little bit of shakiness there at times. Yeah. It's it's hard to know whether um, Anana's settled in or not yet. But I know, great footballer, they're saying, but as I was saying to somebody else, the whole idea of having a goalkeeper is your hands. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. yeah he, still think, out. I, yeah, I think he did well, other than that. I mean, he made a few good stops. Mm. You know, he, he blocked with his feet and made a few good saves in the end. Uh, the only sort of blip would have been that uh, possible penalty. Uh, you know, he was nowhere near the ball. No. took like two players out, you know. So, uh, all those, uh, the referees, the officials have been suspended this this weekend, you know, because of it. Uh, oh, I didn't so know that. Yeah, none of them are officiating this weekend in the Premier League. They've all been suspended. So, uh, that's their punishment. And, uh, you know, they got it wrong for they got yeah. it wrong. Yeah. Right, got away with it, you know. But some good, good matches this weekend. Absolutely. Uh, tough one for you. Away. Yeah, Spurs. And, uh, and City at uh, home to Newcastle should be a cracker as well. Yeah, it'll be a tough one for United now away to Spurs. I mean, yeah. uh, Spurs obviously trying to find their feet, let's say, uh, life after Kane. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, we've, we've, we talk about them all the time. They're, they're a mixed bag all the time, Spurs, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, they are. 
yeah, you don't know what's going to happen with them. You know, they can be brilliant and then terrible uh, the next. But without Kane, scored so many goals for them last year. I think uh, 40% of the goals came from Kane alone. Uh, so where do you find the goals from? Ricarlison, maybe uh, Son. Uh, but they're going to have to deliver. If they don't, uh, you know, they could be uh, well down the pecking order. So it's a big test for them, Spurs. There'll be a lot of pressure on them. New manager as well. Uh, so it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. But it'll be a tough test for United. Always very, very tough uh, in Tottenham. And of course, the new stadium as well. But Kane scored on his debut for Bayern as Saw well. That. Which you would expect. Uh, looked like he had a good game. He, he scored an assist and... Uh, but to be honest, I don't know what you think of it, Reg. I, I just get the Kane move to Bayern at all. Why didn't he stay in England? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of every, everybody's question. Mm. Now. Why didn't he just finish out, beat records, do all that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Suppose yeah. <clears throat> money, <clears throat> maybe wanting to win a title, maybe he felt that wasn't going to happen at Spurs, yeah. maybe he felt he just needed a breath of fresh air, getting on a bit now. Um, but yeah, it is. It's a bit of a strange one, you would have thought. Even to stay in the Premier, I suppose there wasn't too many beating down the door for him either, though. Yeah, maybe Chelsea, United would have been if they hadn't got that Rasmus. But yeah, it's just like if they really wanted him, they would have gone after him a bit harder, though, wouldn't they? Yeah, I would have thought so. Yeah, yeah. It didn't so I don't know why. I don't know why. Yeah, bit of a strange one. But mm. look, he's been a great, uh, you know, a great goal scorer, and he's going to continue to score lots of goals in, in, in uh, Germany as well. I thought the uh, Women's World Cup has been a great success. I don't know whether you've watched a lot of it, but. Uh, I think it's been fantastic, you know. I haven't seen too much because it's been on during the day, you yeah. know, at times that haven't been easy to, to watch, but absolutely has been fantastic, no question about it. And uh, um, probably a few surprises thrown up along the way as well, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Teams that weren't expected to, to do as well as uh, they might have and other teams that were <laughs> certainly yeah. falling away. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's been it's been no, a great competition. Good. Great success and great crowds. I mean, 80,000 at the... Uh, you know, most of the home matches for Australia. Yeah. It, was a, it was a cracking semi-final. You know, England got through in the end, 3-1. Yeah. They play Spain in the final, which will be a cracking match as well. You know, they were already European Championships winners, England, uh, and they might add the World Cup to that as well. So, yeah, it's been it's been really good. Very, and Australia good. were the surprise package. I mean, they were. it kind of put us in a bit of context of how hard it was, the group that we were in. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you see Australia going on and doing as well as they did do. So, yeah, yeah it, it, it's been I thought we were sense. a bit unlucky, to be honest. You know, sure, a, yeah. a goal against Australia, the penalty, you know, and then uh, the two one to Canada. Uh, which was, uh, you know, close, close game as well. I thought we played well, you know. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. What yeah. about the uh, golf? Have you been watching the BMW? I was, yeah. I was watching a little bit of it. Rory started off a flyer, didn't he, with a 65? Yeah. Shot level par yesterday. Home shot re- the record 62. So he's five behind. But, yeah, there's a lot of the big hitters are up around there. All right, Scheffler is up there. Some great players uh, playing really well. Well, home at 62 really put him uh, ahead of the pack, there's no question about it. But mm-hmm. Rory well in with a shout in it. I mean, he is playing very steady, very consistent yeah. golf, it has to be said. Like, he's yeah. always in that top 10, which is no easy uh, no. feat, you know. There isn't. No, his driving statistics are, are just, uh, you know, amazing. It's just, a, I just a, you know, it's just a button, I think. It's just separating him from, from the rest. He's putting himself in the good positions. He's just not getting enough of the puts. Now, his putting has improved, there's no doubt about that, but just uh, when you look at uh, you know how well uh, you know the British Open winner there, how, how well he put you know from inside ten feet, he only missed one, 
mm. know, in the whole of the British Open. Like, incredible putt. They're this type of stats that if Rory had, he'd win everything almost, you know. Uh, you're travelling this week, eh? European I am, Masters. Yeah, European Masters, yeah, in Germany, in Nuremberg. Mm. Got a caddy on the bag. My son Christian is coming with me. Brilliant. Well, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, looking forward to that. And a young guy, uh, CJ Wee, he was in the semi finals of the World Championship, if you remember. He was 14 5 up against Brussel in the semi final. And Luca came all the way back to beat him 17 16. It was the greatest comeback in snooker crucible history and uh, so I'm playing that young lad yeah great exciting prospect uh, but I'm hoping the old bull will put manners on the young bull <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I've I, I no doubt you'll, you'll, you'll keep just keep him playing slow like you do crafty can that'll work around uh, you some... call me crafty can Rash. I was clueless can you know? <laughs> <laughs> there's, uh, there's some interesting matchups in it though it's going to be a good uh, tournament yeah, it'd be a great Ronnie. tournament. Yeah, Ronnie will be there, Judd Trum, John Higgins, Mark Williams, and Dave Robertson. There's a great uh, crew going. And it's always very well supported in Germany as well. It's a great, uh, it's been, over the last sort of 10 years or so, um, you know, it's been very, very popular for snooker Germany. Mm. And uh, the, the crowds are fantastic. So, yeah, looking forward to it. And it's in a beautiful city in Nuremberg as well. Had a great history there. So, yeah, looking forward to it. I'm delighted now to uh, welcome to the show Evan Lynch. Now, um, nutrition and diet is always talked about uh, in detail around sport and athletes, but, you know, for the normal Joe as well. And Evan is the sports dietitian for DCU Athletics, and I'm delighted to have him on the line now. Good morning, Evan. How are you? Oh, you're very welcome. It's great to have you on. Uh, I'm getting on great. Not a bother. Nutrition, sports, nutrition, eating. It's something uh, I'm very fond of doing myself. I uh, love food. But uh, around sport in the past, I would have um, realized the importance of it. But it seems nowadays that you can't put, you know, put on uh, your phone or uh, radio or television program or anything else. But there's someone, a latest expert, giving you all of the news on what you should be eating, when you should be eating it, intermittent fasting, you name it. Uh, it's just taken over uh, nutrition and diet and um, I suppose you're seeing it uh, happening more more and more in sport as well. Oh, 100%. Look, I would say social media has just made the information a lot more accessible and with younger generations, they're becoming increasingly more health conscious and the sports nutrition is just simply part of that self-care routine for a lot of people. And what I mean by that, and there's increasing awareness of this, let's say you're training for an Ironman. Y'all is on this weekend and you do all the training, but you don't eat properly. That's very detrimental for your health. A lot of the athletes who roll into my clinic, Reggie, are people who have taken up sports. You know, they're gung-ho into it and they get stress fractures. They're getting um, eating disorders at times. They're getting nutrient deficiencies or they're getting sick a couple of times a week. And it can sometimes stem back to poor dietary protocols around their sports. So I, th- I think I've answered this question in a very long-winded way, but the reason that people are so into it now is because sports is so popular. We are so health conscious and people are more aware than ever that you really have to pay for that work you're doing or you're going to pay for it in a different way. Yeah, I, I tell you, Evan, it's a bit of a bugbear of mine uh, that... 
I feel there just is so little education in schools around nutrition for kids. I mean, there are some programs, um, I've seen them with my own kids, various different ones that are kind of brought in on a bit of a short-term basis and there's food pyramids here and there and there's this, that and the other and the teachers are trying their best. But there really isn't enough education in schools around nutrition, is there? Look, it's a hard one to get across to people. Personal anecdote, right? When I was a student, I was also a high-level athlete in school. I did not care about nutrition. Hmm. I did not care. I would not listen. If if they brought in an expert to talk about bananas and spuds and bread and all that, I would not have listened to one word. And it's very difficult to make a teenager interested in nutrition. Do you know why? No. <laughs> There's no apparent consequences for most teenagers for not having a brilliant diet. In, in athletes, let's say, if they have a poor dietary composition, they may not get something like a stress fracture until they're in their 20s or 30s. Mm. And this, this stems back to normal day-to-day diet as well. Lots of non-communicable diseases have a long latency period. Mm. So what you can see is someone will have these really obviously terrible dietary and lifestyle approaches, but they appear fine. You, the, the thing is, you can't feel all of those biomarkers moving in the wrong direction or yeah. you can't feel your bone mineral density whittling away because humans are cause and effect. You know, you eat a bar of chocolate, nothing happens. Ergo, eating a bar of chocolate is grand. Yeah. I think that's one part of it. But isn't, isn't that uh, the issue, though, Evan, that... It's just so confusing. I mean, you get mixed messages across. And, and let's face it, younger kids are more into it even maybe than, than, than adults where they're body conscious, their body image. There's, mm-hmm. uh, they're looking at uh, all these influencers who are in the gym and they've got the perfect bodies and the kids are thinking, I want to be like that or whatever. But it's just so confusing because one of them is talking about eat more protein. Another one's talking about do intermittent fasting. Another one's talking about calorie deficit. Another's talking about none of it affects you. You know, I, I even saw one guy the other day, an influencer on, talking about white bread is great. You know, I mean, it's so confusing um, that, I, I, and especially I'd like to say, I think myself as fairly well educated in the nutritional area after my sporting experience, but for kids who haven't got a clue, it's just nothing but confusion. Oh yeah, oh, I, I see that a lot. The contradictory stuff usually happens when you have an influencer who maybe shouldn't really be talking about nutrition. Yeah because they don't understand the nuance of the topic. I'll give you a good example, right? You mentioned white bread. Mm. Obviously, brown bread is better than white bread, unless you're eating it before sports. If you were to eat brown bread, brown bread sandwiches an hour before you go for a run, that's actually suboptimal. Versus white bread. Do you know why? Um, Well, I suppose it's slow release, is it? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. So you you have your slow-release carbs. They're not absorbed. You're not getting the fuel for your training. Or worse yet, you're still digesting it. You go for a run and you get a pain in your stomach or you have to go to the loo very Mm. urgently. That's one example of nuance where white bread is better than brown bread and brown bread might be better in other situations. Most people miss that nuance and they'll just stick on one side of that fence and say, no, no, it's one or the other. And that's where the confusion happens. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and also there's confusion around supplements and there's fear around supplements as well. I know there'd be a lot of parents listening to the show in the morning, um, like myself, who would be dropping kids off to games uh, over the weekend. And they'd hear things like supplements and uh, protein shakes and even things like creatine and, and be worried about them, but really not understand them. Like, for example, is, is creatine bad for you? Not necessarily. Like, there's an awful lot of um, weariness, I would say, around creatine. But the reality is creatine is one of the most studied compounds in the world. And when you look at the research papers, there's really no side effects for kidney health and that's the main concern people have when you take creatine. The only contraindication is if you have an underlying kidney condition. But again, that point of nuance is missed. So for example, someone might read a research paper that says creatine is not okay for people who have kidney disease. Mm. And then their takeaway is creatine will cause kidney disease for everybody. Yeah. It's a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Um, so I suppose, finally then, uh, people listening as well uh, will kind of go, I've tried every diet and I uh, do the fasting and nothing changes. I am exercising. And like, why is it that we all struggle so much with weight loss? This one I, might take me a minute to answer, Reggie, so you <laughs> yeah. have to bear with me. I, I feel sorry for people who come into my clinic and have that experience because it's a common experience. Weight loss is one of the hardest things to do. Even if you have those new wonder drugs, you know, like your Ozempics or Liraglutide, mm. people still find it hard. Mm. And there's a couple of reasons for that. We are evolutionarily wired not to lose weight. If you're in a calorie deficit, your appetite hormones, hunger signaling, your own metabolism your own subconscious desire to be active, all of those things shift towards, uh, I say, how would I put this? Self-preservation. Yes, that's, <laughs> a, that's exactly the word. I haven't had coffee yet, Reggie. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're my vocab. Yeah. Um, and that distorts the picture. And furthermore, there's really interesting research looking at, let's say if you're trying to lose weight, mm your perception of what you're actually doing versus what you think you're doing, that chasm is massive. For example, if you're trying to lose weight, you are, statistically speaking, going to underestimate your portions by about 47% mm. unless you're weighing it. Eyeballing it doesn't work. Mm. And if you eat, quote-unquote, healthy foods, people say this to me, I'm eating healthy, but I'm not losing weight. If you miss your avocado or nut portions by 47%, that could be two or 300 calories. Yeah, and that's a lot over the course of things. And I mean, yeah, I, I'm unfortunately for a of time, Evan, I, it's something that we could continue to talk about for the rest of the morning. But um, yeah, it's it, it's, uh, it, it's it's intriguing to say the least. But uh, I suppose more time, more research and, and a little bit more care needs to go into what you're eating and how you're eating it. But uh, we might get you on again another day, Evan, we can talk about it in a little bit more detail. But as I said, unfortunately, I'm just out of time. But thanks for taking the time to talk to us this morning. No worries. Can Take I leave care. you on one soundbite? Yes. If you're looking for a nutritional approach that's going to work, if it's novel and exciting, that's not it.
Now then, to last Sunday and that marvellous, marvellous occasion at Croke Park as Dublin, as I said, won the TG Carr title for the sixth time in their history. 18 points to 110 victory over uh, Kerry. Hannah Tyrrell, one of seven players on the score sheet. She had eight points. Carla Rowe had four. Jennifer Dunn had two. Uh, Kate Sullivan, Neve Heddleton, Quiva O'Connor and Orla Nolan all chipping in with one point apiece. Well, once the dust had settled and the Brendan Martin Cup had successfully made its way back to the Dublin dressing room, it was time for yours truly to join the party, so to speak. And uh, I began by speaking to the victorious manager, Mick Bowen, after guiding his county to his fifth All-Ireland success. This is what Mick had to say to us. Mick, congratulations. All-Ireland champions built on a real foundation, particularly in, in the first half by your team today. Yeah, incredible. Um, I thought their work rate was immense. Um, We'd obviously been on the receiving end twice from Kerry and we know how good they are. But the work this group have done, we, we, had, we had no choice. We were on our knees back in October, November time and I know when you win something, people kind of dismiss that a little bit. But if you knew where we were and we were trying to maximise everything we had and genuinely the group will tell you this, we, we were just trying to make this comp- Thing competitive, we we didn't foresee this. So obviously, there's a little bit of knowledge around the scenes in this camp. We've, you know, the likes of Frankie Roebuck and Shane Carney and Paul Casey and Derek Murray and guys who've soldiered with the lads' teams. And you know, that bit of knowledge helps. As Frankie kept telling me earlier, you don't have to have the best deck to win the card game. So. Had to reset then in the second half. Now you knew they obviously they were going to come at you, which yeah. they did. But there again, the character, the resistance, all the qualities that you require from your team came out in their depth. Yeah, like I mean, uh, we knew they were going to battle. We we knew that. We, we, we th- that's been a quality we've seen all year. And you know, Sammy Dowling came in with us this year, SNC, and he's brought a completely new level to it. So we've seen that in all of, all of the sessions. They just work their backsides off, and that's obviously the most important trait in sport, regardless of what you do. You obviously have to have knowledge and you have to have a little bit of savvy as to how to manage the games. But if you don't work, you're not in the ballpark. So all year we'd seen that, you know. And that day in, the, the, uh, in Parnell Park, uh, we, we, we saw seven points down and they came and they fought for everything. Now, I, I said this to the media and this part, I have to get it off my chest, guys. It drives me insane in the women's game. I use the word bullied. I've been a teacher for 33 years. And I know what bullying means on a sports field and what it means off it. We were bullied in Parnell Park. No playing the media, no Yarra Bigara stuff. That was a fact. We were bullied. We were beaten to ball. We were pushed out ball. We got a lesson. So we knew that day we had to stand up to that. We had to become absolutely more physical in the contest. And that's the way you want this game played. That's a, I'm listening to the... Uh, the um, World Cup in the moment in soccer and they're talking about over physicality and they're nobody bats an eyelid that's the way the game is supposed to be played and I'll throw that one back at you as, as press and media you have to analyse those things when, when that's said don't just take the statement analyse it was it over physical were they beaten physically that's not a bad thing because we, we want more contact we've said that all along but we, we got a huge lesson that day in Parnell Park. But we knew what they come with. They're, they're the, from the start of the year, they were the best team in the country, bar none. And for me, they had the marquee forward. But here's sport for you. Leah Caffrey didn't lie down for the last 
eight or ten weeks and go away and decide that Luigi's de Mordortic or any other forward is going to be the best forward in the country. So our girls are coming up against that week in, week out, right? And I look at the group that we, we have, the leaders that have just jumped forward, Martha Byrne, Jen Dunn, Carla Rowe. Like, they were the group who were chasing the main pack when we came in, and they have just grabbed this thing with a scruff of the neck. So this is as pleasing as it gets in sport. So. And somebody came back with one express mission that was to win an All-Ireland in Hannah Tyrrell and eight points in an All-Ireland final. She did it in some style today as well, Mick. She did. I wouldn't say she saw last October that she was going to win an All-Ireland, but in fairness to her, she turned that one around. And, uh, and yeah, that's been a driving goal for her. And you look, she put on a huge performance. But we're aware of this in these days. You know, like Jen was outstanding the last day. We knew she was going to be earmarked today. Kate Sullivan had been scoring goals. We knew she was going to be earmarked. So all of a sudden you take heat off other players and other players come to the fore. That's why it's a team game. Can I ask you finally, you took over at the end of 2016 after the team had lost three consecutive finals. You won the four in a row. That one today has to be right up there in terms of sweetness for you considering all you went through and all the squad went through over the last 12 to 18 months. Incredible. And, and look, Declan, you know this. Uh, this isn't about me. We have had an unbelievable group of players who the leadership that they showed this year was second to none. But my management team, and the work that my management team have done. I have called on every favour that I ever was done in my life to get to assemble this group of people to get us to be successful. And the knowledge that we have in our management team to help this group get better, I will never forget this. A very happy man, Declan, no doubt about it, after that performance. Oh, absolutely, and uh, the amount of work, as he said, that went in in dark winter days since last October, and even before that, after the quarter-final defeat against Donegal last year, uh, is immeasurable, um, Reggie, and uh, to see the team and Mick and his management crew get the reward for that is absolutely fantastic. A special day, too, for Sinead Hearn, it must be said, who now stands alone at the role of honour in Dublin Ladies GA because she won her sixth All-Ireland medal uh, last Sunday. Now for some player reaction. Who else could you speak to? Only the player of the match, Hannah Tyrrell from Nafina, who chipped in with no fewer than eight points on the day. Was it possible for her to put into words so soon what had been achieved? Yeah, look, it's hard to, to put into words what this means and, and how I feel, but obviously I'm just absolutely over the moon and it was a really good team performance and just, yeah, delighted to, to get through it, to be honest. After a pretty perfect first half in a lot of respects, what was the mood like in that dressing room then coming out for the sec- before the second half? Yeah, look, we knew uh, Kerry were going to come at us. They had to. Um, you know, we couldn't sit in our heels and we wanted to continue to attack and we knew they'd have a purple patch, but we just tried to stick to our game plan and our defence stood up massively in that second half and, yeah, it, time just went by very quickly. Yeah, you realise with a couple of minutes to go that it, it, it's there and it's just waiting for the, the clock to count itself down? Yeah, it probably hit me with about two minutes ago um, that this is probably going to be it and memories from 2021 were banished fairly quickly and yeah just pure disbelief it's absolutely at the top something I've been dreaming about for a very very long time Uh, worked so hard to get you know obviously all the other stuff I've achieved are phenomenal but this this was the one I was going after Um, yeah look obviously 2021 2022 were very disappointing for us as a team and we just knew we wanted to come out and perform today that was a big thing we weren't thinking about winning we were thinking about performing and we have a really cohesive group and we did that today and it really showed in our performance and I just I don't think it's hit me yet that we've won. And tremendous maturity in that group as well. I mean, we spoke about all the young girls that were coming in, you know, playing in a first final and all that, but they, they really took to it like, like a duck to water all over the park. Yeah, it looked like uh, some of these girls have been around that Dublin squad for a very long time. The likes of Neve Donlan, Neve Crowley, Ailish O'Dowd in, in the midfield was phenomenal and everybody stepped up. 1-20, to 20, everyone who got on that pitch stepped up today and it's just a huge squad effort and yeah, it's, it's brilliant. I know it's not about you, Hannah. I'm here to go. 
And Hannah, a word on Sinead, coming on for her sixth All-Ireland medal today, putting her clear now on the roll of honour, so to speak, and on personal stakes, but, um, I mean, fantastic for her, and her commitments to this group, her involvement in this group, and her willingness to stay on, how important was that to everybody? We will never see the likes of a player of Sinead Hearn's calibre, both on off the pitch, her leadership, uh, the quality, the skill set that she has. And she brought so much to this team in a time where we probably really needed that experience. And she didn't know, she didn't come back in expecting game time or minutes. Um, you know, she wanted to put in that leadership off the pitch. And uh, it's great for her to get on. And, and you know, <laughs> she is the greatest Dublin footballer we've ever seen. All right, lads. Fair statement there um, from Hannah about Sinead. Yeah, I couldn't really put it much better myself, Reg, to be honest with you. You know, she really was a, an integral part of the success this year and uh, so delighted, i say, for her on a personal level to move on to the sixth uh, medal. Now, one final piece of audio from Croke Park last Sunday. Jennifer Dunn, the towering midfielder from Kula, who contributed two points in the win over Kerry, is today in Australia, Brisbane, of course, preparing for the start of the women's AFL season down there. But she claimed another all out of the medal last uh, Sunday and I took the opportunity to speak to her outside the Dublin dressing room having claimed that fourth Celtic cross. Well, by the time this is broadcast, this lady now will be on the other side of the world in Australia. Jennifer Dunn of Kula and Dublin, congratulations. All-Ireland champions 2023. What a team performance out there today. I mean, is it possible to put into words so soon afterwards how it was achieved? No, honestly, like, it's just, it's amazing even being out there on the pitch at the end and seeing our friends and our family and everyone that's just backed us and been supportive of us since November, October, December when it was probably not going so well and last year when we lost against Donegal that was a dark place and people left the group and new people came in but to think that we have now come and won on Ireland back then I would have never dreamt it but now it's just it's unbelievable that first half today was just about as perfect as you played and that includes the performance against Cork and Thurlis a couple of weeks ago yeah I think we wanted to go after a good start like Kerry are such a team and they have really good players so we just knew if we brought the game to them and we got ourselves a bit ahead like we could carry that on so uh, like you're looking at different people Hannah popped I don't even know how many scores like Carla likes a Kiva O'Connor putting her body on the line every ball like we just everyone worked for each other and we just knew if we got there collectively we'd get over the line and to see Leia Caffrey win her match with Louise Munahertic was special as well. Every time she got a hand in, every turnover was, was, was a big thing for the team. Huge. Again, like Leah Caffrey is one of the best uh, defenders in the world. And uh, we uh, obviously would have just backed her every day to win that. So um, we are delighted. And she just got the better of her, obviously. Um, and it's a, she'd probably been sweating about it a little bit because Louise is a class player. But um, at the end of the day, Leah won that battle. But we knew as a collective, if we supported her in the supply and stuff, that we could get over we the line. We heard from the management how difficult the last number of months have been since Carrie Conchana last year in the semi-quarterfinal reverse to, to Donegal. So as with the lads, how do you explain then, you know, 13 months later being All-Ireland champions? Yeah, I no, it's just mad really to think that I think, as I said, so many new people came in this, this year, that's players and management that added so much more to the group. There was someone called upon for any different role or any question or query you had, there was someone there that we were able to go to and ask. And I think the collective and everyone pushing the standards and just going at it, we had fresh people coming in, like the two Don, the two Neves, I mean, cornerbacks today, first, only 19 and playing in an All-Ireland final, unbelievable. So we're Decided, yeah. Just before you get whisked away to go back into the lads, off to Australia now in the middle of, of next week. New adventure, new pastures, but uh, really with confidence, sky high at the moment, and rightly so. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, that was the opportunity that came up a few months ago. Obviously, I I wanted to give it a go and stuff, but this was my focus until now, and I'm I'm honestly just so delighted. I know the girls. I've been onto them briefly, and they were so thrilled for me and wanted to back me to win. So hopefully, I can bring that success over there, and that adventure starts now later in the week. Well, congratulations! You got a tremendous performance today, and enjoy Australia. Thank you so much. Thank you very much.
Yes, and we wish Jennifer the very best of luck out there, Jennifer Dunn. OK, uh, Declan, a great weekend last weekend, but uh, the club hurling scene is back this week. Yes, indeed. It- Yes, indeed it is. Reg has had a little bit of a break. The football championship, of course, uh, taking place last weekend, but the go-ahead Senior A Hurling Championship is back this weekend. In fact, it was back last night with a game at a rain-sodden Parnell Park. Nafina, last year's beaten finalists and the year before too, overcoming Oliver Plunkett's owner of 4-13 to 9 points. There are three other games taking place this afternoon. Delighted to be joined on the line now by our regular hurling analyst, uh, Sean Lane, to look ahead to those games. A very good morning to you, Sean. Morning, Declan. How are you doing? Oh, sure. Listen, after last week and the week before, what would be wrong with you? And looking ahead to a cracking Saturday of hurling as well, um, there wouldn't be an awful lot wrong with you now, Sean, in fairness. Uh, no. Let's start with last night briefly, if we may. Nafina's victory over Oliver Plunkett's own rule, that would have been fairly routine and fairly well expected for the Moby Road men. Yeah, I suppose in the bigger scheme of things, it would, Declan, but... Plunkett's have been going reasonably well and I have to say I was surprised with the, with the margin of, of the win. Life in Nafina without Donald Burke at the moment can't can't be easy but they certainly stood up and it was actually, if you look through the maths on it, had they been beaten last night, which obviously they, they comprehensively won, but they were in big trouble in qualifying. But I, I expect them now to, you know, qualify along with Bowden and Vincent in that group to, to you know, to, to you know play in the quarterfinals. Tom Ryan will be happy man this morning, that's for sure, as well as a lot, a lot of other people out there. OK, uh, let's have a look at the defending champions, Kilmacud Croaks. Their footballers uh, had a victory in the championship last week. Uh, the hurlers will be looking for the same uh, this afternoon at uh, 3.30 in Parnell Park when they take on Whitehall, uh, Cullum Kill. You would expect that the purple and gold would uh, take the victory here, Sean. I would, Declan. You, you know, and uh, as we, we saw Croaks in the first game, Against Lucan, and they were very, very under strength. And uh, but you know, they've a lot of guys back now coming towards the end of the summer. And look, Croaks when they have a, a full set to pick from, uh, that they're pretty strong. Whitehall, unfortunately, you know, they're going to struggle. You know, my views on having ten teams in division, uh, one having one a senior B, it, it's very, very hard to stay up there. Obviously, it should be twelve, but look at that's for another day. But I, I couldn't see uh, Croaks not uh, beating Whitehall this afternoon. And one game certainly to whet the appetite uh, today is the clash of Kula and Lucan Sarsfields at 5.30 in GEA headquarters in Dublin. Sars going very well, of course, under Charlie Carter, the former Kilkenny great, and Kula looking to try and regain uh, past glories. There won't be an awful lot between these two, you would think, at, at the end of the game, Sean. No, I agree, Declan. This is definitely the, uh, the the game of the weekend, and and uh, Kula. Uh, the last time I looked at the program, the last game, I, I think they've only about four left from the the winning All Ireland team. So it's a young Kula side. Uh, Charlie Carter is doing a really good job, but he'll know himself the the win over Croaks. Um, you know, you, we saw Croaks were a little bit under strength to, to say the least. So it's a big game. But if I do my maths probably on my head to head, Luke, and if they can beat Kula, and I do expect them to get across the line here, they'll have beaten Croaks, Bridgets, and Kula. So my understanding is that they go straight into a semi-final. So this is a big game for Lucan and obviously for Kula, I, I still think we lose a draw. Kula will still go through in the group, uh, but Lucan have something bigger to fight for. They could go straight into a semi-final. Yeah, a lot to a lot to play for. All right, um, over the course of of the afternoon, one other game to mention taking place in Crumlin's O'Toole Park uh, this evening at half past four. Uh, a local derby, Fogs, of course, back in the big time again, taking on uh, Ballyboden St. Dendas, uh, quite a, akin to winning a title or two themselves over the years. Sean, how do you see this one going between the near neighbours? 
Yeah, near neighbours, as you said. But look at if you look at the form, Declan, uh, Bowden would be very happy. They they had an impressive league win over over Nafina. They beat Vincent, albeit conceding a couple of soft goals, but still came back and beat them. They comprehensively beat Plunkett in the end, although on the day Plunkett did play well. Uh, I can't see um, uh, Foggs, who, who's already lost to Plunkett in the championship, I can't see them uh, uh, you know, going within six or eight points of, of, of uh, Bowden uh, the weekend. Oh, interesting enough. That one is at O'Toole Park today at 4.30. Whitehall, Column Kill versus Kilmacud Croaks is at Parnell Park at 3.30. Followed by the big one there, the clash uh, of Kula and Luke and Sarsfield's two Southside joints going head-to-head from 5.30. Sean, thank you very much indeed for being with us this morning to look ahead to those games. Enjoy them yourself and we'll catch up next week to have a look, good look back at them. It's time for a little bit of rugby and I'm delighted to be joined in studio by the one and only Declan Drake. Born and how are you? Oh, very good, Reg, and yourself? Ah, never better, never better. Looking forward to a good weekend of uh, sport, in particular a big match today. Uh, the rugby going on, we're taking on England. It's only a so-called friendly, but there's no such thing. Are you going to go along? Only a so-called friendly. I don't think there's <laughs> any such thing, is there, between Ireland and England in any sport. But uh, no, I won't be going today, Reggie. Um, one of the main reasons I won't be going today is, in my opinion, the exorbitant ticket prices for uh, a friendly in the month of August. I was looking it up during the week. My other half was very much interested in rugby and wanted to go. But €120 Euros a ticket. Now, the two All-Ireland football... Sorry, the All-Ireland football hurling finals were on over the last couple of weeks and it was 90 quid for a stand ticket there mm. for a competitive game so I wasn't going to pay 120 for a, a friendly as you call it in, in the tickets on sale at warm-up match a warm-up match yeah, yeah. yeah I, I agree with you I think it's uh, very, they're very overpriced I suppose they'll argue there was plenty of uh, other tickets on sale at better uh, prices but uh, a bit like uh, you know, um, the Coldplay tickets, there's a limited number at a certain price and then they go back up. But there are still tickets available for sale, so that'll give you an idea. It's not a sellout. I'd say, um, you know, uh, many people feel in the same way as I do myself that it's just way too much. They yeah. should have they brought the prices yeah. down. 120 quid is a ridiculous amount of money to have to pay for it. It game. is, it, it is but, I think, um, for, for a friendly like that. that is, right, yeah, but yeah, you know, but, um, you know, uh, yeah, it still, it should be a, a great game. November internationals and the revenue has to be kept up, but um, I don't think that should be at the expense of the fans. Yeah. However, uh, yeah, it's still it should be a, a great game. Looking forward yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, as I said earlier on, they're actually starting now to talk about the game and not the circus surrounding, not so much the game, but the sport of rugby during the week with the decision on on the own Farrell uh, case. And even his father, Andy, of course, the Irish head coach, was dragged into the conversation during the week um, as well. What did you make of the whole situation yourself? Um, it, it certainly from the outside looking in Reggie didn't appear to be a good look uh, his son is the centre of the decision no it's terrible and I mean I, I get where Andy Farrell's coming from and, and agree to him with him in the sense that uh, his son is the centre of this um, circus media circus thing that he's talking about and the frenzy that's uh, surrounded it and it's not his son's fault it's uh, World Rugby's fault and uh, their their lack of um, governance and uh, clarity around the whole disciplinary issue I mean there wouldn't have been a word about any of this if the correct decision had been uh, come to in the first place um, you know the, the the tackle was very very obviously um, bad uh, the disciplinary action that graded to a red card correctly so in my opinion um, so then just you know follow on from that and give the disciplinary action that's required for that whether it be two three four game ban I don't know what it is but because 
that didn't happen. Uh, now you have all of this circus where everybody's up in arms going, oh, this is disgraceful in the game and they're talking about protecting the players and they're not protecting the players and all of that kind of stuff. So the the the, 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 the le- blame for it all lays firmly at the at the uh, feet of the people organising the game. And um, they, like, put it this way, you know, they're not happy with the data and they want them to, their opinion committee to review the data have gone back to the people that they appointed and told them that they're not happy with the data and they want them to... They're appealing against their own people. I mean, <laughs> you couldn't make it up. It's just, you know, it's bizarre. And yeah. then there was three Australians on the panel, as far as I know. Then somebody else said to me that uh, it was Six Nations that were um, in charge of uh, appointing the people. Nobody knows. This is the whole point about it. Nobody knows what's going on. There's loads of commentators during the week going, look, all we want is clarity. Every other situation, because, uh, you know, you get people... People talking then going, ah, you know, that's due for people to have when you look at it like that. Fluence and they this and that and the other and they don't want to lose Farrell for the World Cup. All of which are valid points of view for people to have when you look at it like that. But the bottom line is, people are looking at this and they're going, they're not really taking it seriously. You know, there's a clear strike to the head with a shoulder. Um, play, the player went off. You know, the, the, this is what's forgotten in all of this. The other player went off, injured, he's gone. And um, he, he out for a number of weeks with HIA. Uh, so, like, you know, Act accordingly. If you're if you're saying to everybody you're taking it seriously, then take it seriously and deal with it. So it was a mess. Yeah, well, I mean, Johnny Sexton was involved in a high profile incident, not on the pitch. It mm. must be said uh, as well, was it not? Well, um, God, it was a three match ban that he he yeah, received, yeah, and yeah. this this was a if I'm not mistaken, was a three match ban as well, was it not? Well, it could have been anything more yeah, more but than the that. The point is, it's the same. Yes, it's, it's well, type of well, punishment. The, the, the point is, he has a record of having three or four other bands prior to this for the same incident mm. even went to tackle school to try and learn how to tackle so it's not it's <laughs> not a professional offence uh, but uh, like all of that again is, is yeah. sort of irrelevant it's just you know it's fairly straight like if, if there are rules there are rules and if there's disciplinary action there's disciplinary action stick to it so there's no confusion and we're not okay. all left wondering what in the name of God is going on okay. let's get back to let's the let's get back to the game yeah. indeed the English are in town today for this warm up uh, friendly, friendly warm up international yeah. head, of, head of the World Cup big announcement forthcoming from Andy Farrell on his squad perhaps last gasp opportunities for certain people to put their hands up for selection for, for that squad what are you expecting from this afternoon's game? Yeah, I'm expecting a good game first and foremost. I think uh, certainly the um, I, there won't be anybody pulling out and you know trying to just go through the motion on this match. Um, I think there will be a certain number of players from an Irish perspective who are trying to maybe make that impression that's going to make the final decision for um, Andy Farrell to, to, to put them on the plane. I mean, obviously Keane Prendergast uh, at number eight they know Caelan Doris. They know Jack Cohn. He's going to be okay with his foot injury. Um, so they know they're going to be okay and they're going to be on the plane. Uh, so they're putting Keane in there, giving him a chance. So he, he's one that might be in with a chance to put their hand up. We haven't seen a whole lot of Mac Hansen and James Lowe, Hugo, Hugo Keenan as of yet. So they, they need game time and they need a high-profile game like this to be ready for World Cup because at the end of the day you can't just go into World Cup and expect to play at your highest level uh, Ringrose Bundiaki similarly and of course Ross Byrne at 10 huge huge day for him because Johnny Sexton will be going into the World Cup as you mentioned earlier on the back of uh, no warm-up games as such so um, we know he's well capable of stepping up when he needs to but uh, Ross Byrne has to really make a, a big impression today and, and get the job done so that 
he's firmly on the plane, number one, but number two, should he be asked and required to come into the game in the World Cup, which could be very likely uh, that he's ready for it. So it's a very strong Irish team, no question about it, strong bench as well. Um, so there's a couple of lads, maybe the likes of Lockman on the bench, who might get an opportunity, Joe McCarthy as well, who are still in a little bit of doubt as to whether or not they'll make it or not, um, who will be looking to get some time and get, get a chance to do it. I think the more interesting thing about the game, Declan, is from the English perspective, mm-hmm. because they're not playing well. Um, I think they'd be the first to admit that themselves. There's more in this team than we've seen so far. As I said, I think it was last week on the show, there's a lot of good individuals but there's not a team there as of yet and I think that's what they'll be trying to to, to bed down and, and, and get organised so I'll be expecting more from England today and I'll be interested to see if Bortley can get that out of them Coming to Dublin to take on the world's number one ranked team if they can get any kind of a win here this afternoon the boost in confidence uh, for them would only be major I, w- I would imagine now um, rugby has its characters as we know Reggie mm, and mm. Uh, Eddie Jones is one of those great characters he's always uh, good for a soundbite and a quote and uh, he's been uh, out and about on the media circuit during the week as well what, what, what's he been saying? Oh, yeah. What hasn't well, been what saying? hasn't he been saying? That's the point more like it yeah I mean look it's typical Eddie Jones um trying to distract and deflect from the fact that the Aussies are not as good a team as they'd like to be going into this World Cup. Um, He's made some decisions. He's only gone with one out half. The big thing for him was one of the coaches left and this close to a World Cup, that's not good. You know, losing one of your coaching staff uh, this close doesn't send a good message and I thought in the press conference I watched that piece of footage where he attacked the press and he was talking about it uh, and it wasn't the normal Eddie Jones rant where he's trying to um, play games there was a lot of anger in this one and a lot of pressure I felt he he really looked like a man that was struggling with the pressure Um, and almost childlike in the way that he was you know, looking to blame everybody else and take no responsibility himself and wouldn't answer any questions. I mean, I thought there was a few legitimate questions being asked and now he kept talking about was negativity. So, um, you know, it, it was it was a strange one. You'd wonder why he took that route. Mm-hmm. It would have been far easier for him to just answer a couple of questions and say, no, no, I don't agree. I think we're in a very good place. We've got a very good squad. We're happy with it. We're building for the future as well as looking at this World Cup. And then the whole thing would have been done with. But no, he has to be kind of controversial. And I mean, that's the way he is. And I suppose we're used to it at this stage. Thanks for listening to Dublin Stock and Sport on Sunshine 106.8 from myself, Ken and Reggie. Have a good weekend. (laughs)